with you this morning, and um, and I actually get to do the next two weeks. So hopefully I impress you enough to come back next week, amen, and uh, speak to your heart. And next Sunday is actually Mother's Day, so invite a mom. If you're a mom, bring your family, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We have a special gift for all the moms, and we just want to celebrate them. So it's going to be really good, and um, don't want to miss out on that. But this morning, I'm excited to talk to you what God has put on my heart of a message called Radical Living. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. God, I ask the next few moments that I would step aside and he would speak through me today in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 17 and uh, verse 26. And um, I don't know what you guys think of when you hear the word word radical. Don't put that up yet, Luke, please. If you could go back just to the title. Um, When you hear the word radical... I don't know what you think about. Um, I think of like extreme sports. I think of, you know, it's actually coming back, but the word rad like was cool, you know, like that's radical, that's rad, you know, and, and stuff. So I kind of filter that, that word through, you know, my 80s upbringing and, and all that stuff, you know, like the, you know, the neon colors, which are totally back in, right? Like that was rad back then and now they're back. So they're rad again. Amen. And, uh, how many of you guys have ever found yourself um, at the zoo on that one side of the glass, just peering through to see something that you can't touch? And quite honestly, you probably don't want to touch that, but you know what I mean? Or, or maybe you've, you've been locked out from something that you're trying to get into, maybe your house, you know? And I was helping a, some, a family in the church move, and they were showing us around, and we're like, we're so thankful for this hidden door. I can't tell you how many times we locked ourselves out of the house, and it was for this door that we got back in, right? You know, how many of you have ever been in that point where you're like locked out, and all you can do is peer through the glass, or maybe your car running with the keys still in the ignition, right? And you're locked out. Hopefully that is never, that is honestly a great fear in my life, like, because cars just are automatic now. Like, I'm always like, if my car's running, I actually like roll the window down before I close the door, because I'm like, I don't want this thing locking all by itself, right? Like, there's just some little things that happen. Do I have some friends in church this morning, right? And then I was thinking about the other day, I came to fill up the baptistry and, um, and I needed something from behind the fence and that's where the spigot is and I couldn't get in because I didn't have a key and they changed the lock all the time. But I could open the gate just enough and I'm just like, I couldn't quite squeeze my thin physique through and I'm just peering through like if I was just a little bit skinnier, right? Like how many of you have ever found yourself in those positions where it's like you're looking at things and you can see them and they're just out of reach. Like if I could just get them in my hands. I have no idea what this has to do with my message, but I just want to see if you're related. What does it mean to truly encounter the love of the Father? It actually ties in a minute, I promise. What does it truly mean to you? As pastor's been talking about the Father, and then last week he drops that bomb on us about reaching the lost and, and finding the Franks in our life. And, um, and I've really been meditating on just the fact that I feel in my spirit sometimes that, that we're losing the battle to darkness. Not because God wants us to lose. Isn't it funny, he doesn't say when the end is coming. This is just my doctrine, and and you may disagree with it, and that's okay. Um, But I believe that we possess the ability to withhold God's judgment in time. Just going to be, that's just, I've always felt that in my heart. I don't know why, but I believe that that's why he didn't put a date. 
Amen? Because he put within man the, the ability to withhold God's judgment. If, if we're doing our job, amen, and, and reaching the lost and winning souls and keeping light progressing and darkness defeated, then judgment doesn't need to come. Amen? But yet, why is darkness accelerating? It seems like it's such a pace that it's almost... It's almost like unstoppable, almost as if we're just sitting back behind that fence, just watching just life go to pieces. You know what I mean? And so as I began to think about what it means to live radically and, and what it means to be in love with the Father, and, and then I began to think about just that principle of how many times in our life do we hear of these promises and yet we feel like they're just untouchable because we, there's just something in the way like a fence, a, a wall. There's something, and it's just like, we can see it, but we can't ever get to it. And so I want to talk to you about that this morning. In Acts chapter 17, and verse number 26, I'm going to read it to you from the Message Bible because it just adds a little oomph to my message this morning. So it may be a little different than what you have in your hand, but I put it on the wall so you could follow along. It says, starting from scratch, he made the entire human race and made the earth hospitable with plenty of time and space for living so we could seek after God. And not just grope around in the dark, but actually find him. He doesn't play hide and seek with us. He's not remote. He's near. We live and move in him, and we can't get away from him. One of your poets said it well. We're the God created. Well, if we are the God created, it doesn't make a lot of sense to think we could hire a sculptor to chisel a God out of stone for it, does it? God overlooks it as long as you don't know any better. But that time has passed. Amen? It, it, we, we can't make these false gods. Jesus came. Time is Like, he is here. Amen? The Savior came. Time has passed. It don't matter now. It's, it's down to business now. And it goes on to say, the unknown is now known. And he is calling for a radical life change. Now, this is what just wrecked me. As I began to study this, I don't know when you guys read your Bible, but I do it in the morning, and um, I try to get up early, as early as I can, and I hit snooze too many times, and um, I find myself in my chair with toothpicks, hold my eyes open, and coffee in my hand, and I'm going to read my Bible. Amen? And, uh, and there's a lot of times where, honestly, like, I'm just reading, and I'm not even, like, nothing is sticking, right? It's just like, do I have any friends? Like, show me a picture, I'll fill in the blank, right? I am a very visual learner, and as I read my Bible, it's funny because I'll get done, I'll spend, like, 15 minutes reading, and I'll stop and go, what did I just read? Do I have any friends, amen? Well, I, this passage, I was doing that, but I got to this last statement that he is calling for a radical life change. Now, when I'm reading in another translation, I got to stop and go, wait a second. A radical life change. I, I go, what did he say in the King James? Okay, And what he said was he is calling for men to repent. Now, follow me this morning. Okay, When you study the word of God, the word radical, when you look up its definition, comes from the Latin word radix, meaning root. I thought it was weird that in the Message Bible, he changes the word repent to radical. But then as I began to say, God, what are you trying to tell me? And I felt like he gave me a phenomenal 
illustration this morning that I hope I can narrate to you as it is in my spirit. What do you guys think of my gardening skills? Aren't those beautiful? So the Latin word radix means root, okay, or defined. It's a change or action relating to or affecting the fundamental nature of something, okay? So a radical life change is the fundamental change or nature of something. When I repent, when I encounter the Father, and I come to repentance, what it's really saying is I change something at the root level of my life. Following me? So to be radical or to repent means to change the very fundamental nature of something. So repentance is this total surrender of a man's life to Jesus, which produces radical life change. When we change the very core of who we are and where we draw our life from, our lives change. Now, as I began to think about that word, I mean, I read that whole passage and I got stuck on one word, radical. Like, that's just how the word of God works. Like, I've read this passage of scripture. I can't even tell you how many times in my life of being a Christian. And I got so stuck on this one word. And here's why. I believe God gave me this phenomenal illustration right here. How many of you guys, which one would you pick? If I were to say one of these represents what it means to be in the world. Now, if you were in first service, keep your mouth shut, okay? I said that in a nice Christian way. Which one represents being in the world and which one represents being in the Father? Let's take a little vote, okay? How many of you, big shout of praise, if this represents being in the world? That's, that's your shout of praise? Wow. Okay. How many of you would say this represents being in the world? How many would say this represents being in the Father? This represents being in the Father. You guys are very divided and not full of life right now. I'm thinking like high school rally, like, all right, let's try this again. In the Father? In the Father. All right, you guys are pretty good. You guys cheated. So, in the Father. And in the world. Now, as I began to pray and see God on how to deliver this, the hardest part of being a preacher is allowing human words to describe what God did in my spirit and trying to get it conveyed in such a way that you will receive what I've received from this. Okay? Now, when I look at these, these are these real or fake? You guys are good. I couldn't tell. The only reason why I knew they were fake is they were hanging on a shelf at Walmart, okay? The only reason why I knew these were real is they came in a bucket with dirt, okay? But what are the things that we root ourselves in life? You know, as I put these together last night, I, I told Dana, didn't she do a great job labeling them for me? And um, I told her, I'm like, babe, I think I got them, like, I need to go buy some prettier flowers for the father, because I'm like, it's kind of like those flowers look way better than these. I mean, these are falling. 
well, I do, okay. Anyways, um, I, I'm being silly, but these ones are falling apart. I mean, bugs have eaten off the top of these and stuff. I mean, they're, it's just, it's not a, to me, I was thinking, man, that doesn't represent the goodness of the father. I said, these are these pretty flowers, and even though they're fake, they look better. And, and she said to me, she goes, no, actually, it's perfect. Because what happens in our life is the world always gives us the impression of what it has to offer is better or, or, or more appealing than what the Father offers. And, and, and what Paul said is when you repent and you come, when you encounter the real love of the Father and you truly repent, what he does, God's greatest desire is to actually take everything you've drawn your life from and uproot it and put it in his system. A radical life change. You following me this morning? But, but in our world, here's the problem. is Mark 4.16 says, These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who when they hear the word immediately receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves. So endure only for a time. And afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the world's sake, immediately they stumble. Here's what I've found as a pastor, is I see people come into church, and they hear the message of the gospel, and they, they, they hear, and, and they're, they even maybe surrender their life to Christ, and that's like next week they're gone. But the problem is, is what they're rooted in is not in the Father. They're rooted in the world. And, and when you really begin to think about it, you know, I can pluck these things out, and, you know, that we could be honest, they, they do look nice, don't they? But the problem with a fake flower is there is no life-giving properties within this thing. Okay? There, there's nothing sustainable about this. Okay? And, and what the world offers us can never add one life-giving moment of eternity to your life. But the struggle for us is when we encounter the love of the Father, we try to filter it through everything we've been planted in, everything that we've derived our life from. And as Christians, that's not what he's asking. He's asking for a radical life change. He's asking for you to completely uproot everything you've, you've thought your life was about. He's asking you to completely change everything you've based your belief system on, everything you've based, based your goals on, your future on. And, and, but I think for us, a lot of us, I found this piece of petrified wood, and I figured it's a good thing to plant our life in fear. How many of us, like our lives are really rooted in fear? You know, and you begin to think about all the different things that, that in the world our lives are actually planted in. And, and I think, you know, a lot of us derive our, our life from our friends. You know, as long as I got friends, I'm good. As long as I got some friends, I'm okay. You know, or maybe, maybe some of you in here have never dealt with this, but I, I know I've had to struggle with this. You know, as long as I got money. You know, how much money determines how good my life is. You know, so we begin to derive our, our life from these things that actually have no value. and no. How many of you guys have ever gotten paid and then you paid your bills like I did yesterday and you go, wait a second. What just happened here? Like I worked all week for that money and we just paid our bills and he gone, right? She gone. Like where did it go? Like, okay. <laughs> 
I'm, I told God yesterday, I'm like, hello, um, I don't know if you realize this or not, but the pluses are supposed to be greater than the minuses, right? But when your life is rooted in money, it comes and goes like water. I mean, every time you flush the toilet, it's like flushing a dollar bill. Pretty much, right? How many of us are rooted in our status? Like what people think about us. Like, like we live our lives to try and prove we're something to the people that could care less. That was for somebody in the service. I didn't come out second service. Or maybe, maybe you, it's like your life is rooted in your career. Like you're trying to prove something by, by what you do and, and where you're at in the corporate ladder and all these. And, and hear me this morning. There's places for those things, okay? And that's okay. But you know what gripped my heart yesterday is I, I was what my son had on, um, what's it called? Extreme mansions or something. It's like the largest homes in California. And this one was absolutely breathtaking. I was like, God, I'm not coveting, but if... I receive, okay? Just for a vacation home, just so I can go on the weekends or something, you know, just get away from people once in a while. $50 million home. I I need you to close your eyes and paint this picture for a moment. On the cliff of the San Francisco Bay, and all you see is the Golden Gate Bridge, Alcatraz, downtown, the pier, like this was absolutely breathtaking. You can open your eyes. Don't fall asleep on me. Okay. That's all. I mean, this patio was just, I mean, this was absolutely breathtaking. I'm like, this is absolutely amazing. And I asked Jacob, I'm like, who owns this? And he said the guy's name. I'm like, who is that? Like, I've never even heard of this guy. And it's like the second largest or most valuable home in California. I'm like, wow, that's like right around the corner. But what was sad, what really intrigued me about the house was everything was controlled by his iPad. Like he could open the gate, turn on the lights, open the front door. He could like do everything. And I'm like, that is cool. Okay. And uh, he can control it from far away. You know, he's like, I'll be watching a movie and a friend comes over. I see him and I can just open the gate, open the door, turn on the light. Blah, blah. I don't even have to leave my movie theater. I'm like, that's living right there. Right. Anyways. But the sa- I'm being silly. The saddest thing about this story was though is this man has rooted himself in the things of this world. And he has lived his life in such a way to amass this status, this career, this wealth, to make a statement or for whatever reason, I don't know what the real reason, I don't know the guy personally, but from the outside looking in, what I saw was a very lonely person because he was single. Nobody lived in the home with him. I was like, man, what do you, what, what do you have to give? With, who, who gets that? So I'm like, I'm going to write him a letter, let him know. Like, I'll take it. Amen? I would actually just sell it and do something good for the kingdom. But, hmm. See, some feel they'll never experience the promise of a life-giving father because they can't let go of what they've been rooted in all their life. You know, coming back to that peering through things and Gazing at things, and, and I think that this is where it really gets ugly in our life as believers is we, we see these promises, we, we hear these things, and yet because of what we have allowed ourselves to be rooted in, we feel like there's this fence or this wall that we'll never be able to get through and never get over. Therefore, we can never have what God's promised. And I think the real reason that we experience that is because for us, what we do is we actually try to take 
our lives from the world and stick it in God. What's beautiful about this thing in the Father, like I, you guys are definitely way more loving towards plants than I am. You saw the beauty in this raggedy flower plant. I'm being silly. But why it's so raggedy is because life is coming forth. And, and this one is the only one that has the ability to give life to somebody else. But what happens when we come to Christ, if we don't experience this true radical life change and we come to God and we try to stick ourselves in the Father, but the problem is, is if we could be really honest this morning, I think what we do is we, we come to God from the world, but we, we try to bring all of this into the Father. And we say, I'm I'm in God. I love Jesus. Woo! But man, I got my career. I gotta gotta maintain my friends. Gotta hang out of my fear because I've been hurt before and I ain't letting anybody hurt me again. I I gotta make sure I get enough followers on social media. And um, I would give, I would honor God with my tithe, but church don't need my money. Um, sorry, don't even know why I said that. But, but here's what happens is we take our life from the world and then we, we bring it all over here and we never truly become his. We never truly say, you know what, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my life and I know what I had in the world. Don't tell pastor I drug these across the glass in case it scratches. Amen. Instead of carrying everything from the world into the Father, he says, here's what I want to do. I want to uproot everything you're about. I just completely uproot it. And I want to reroot you in my system and in my way of thinking and in my desires for your life. So therefore, Mark 4.20 says, but these are the ones sown in good ground." Those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. And I didn't even do this on purpose, but reading that passage this morning, I was like, look at this. One little seed. Look at the purple flowers it produced. From one life being sown in the Father, it began to grow. And look at all of the little bugs that can live off of this flower. Amen? The, the life. I wanted to find like a, a fruit tree, but I thought, how in the world am I going to stick a fruit tree in my bucket so that we could all have a piece of fruit while I preach? But I'm using flowers instead today because they're smaller. And I thought about this is such a great principle of our life is when you take just the simplicity of your life and it doesn't make any sense and you say, God, I know what I had in the world and it looked good on the surface, but the reality is it is absolutely empty and void of anything substantial. There is no life-giving properties. This is metal on the inside. Does anybody want to chew on metal? There's no benefit to chewing on metal, okay? There's nothing good about these things, okay? The only thing they're good for is a little color in your room. That's it, okay? They don't give off oxygen. They don't do anything good. This, on the other hand, is the life-giving principle of the Word of God. Now, You say, Pastor Sean, why are you talking about this today? Because the effectiveness of the gospel 
gains its power when man allows the Father to uproot everything that was and reestablish it in the truth of God's word. See, a fake plant looks great on the surface, but has no life-giving properties within it. A living plant exists not for itself, but for the life it gives to those around it. When we come to repentance and change our roots, our lives have the potential to begin to produce something that will benefit others. See, when I come to the Father and I encounter this loving Father, man, I, I, I don't know about you guys, I want it to change. I wanted God to change my root system because everything I had produced in my own ability was empty and void of life. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 20, as long as you did what you felt like doing, ignoring God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. Isn't that true? I don't know about you guys. I remember before I was a Christian, before I met the Father, like I didn't even think, I just woke up and I did life. I did. I just woke up and whatever happened that day happened. Like if I made it through the day, I made it through the day. If I got drunk, I got drunk. If I got high, I got high. If I went to work, I went to work, whatever. Like it was just life. Like I didn't even think about it. I didn't stop and go, um, God, are you okay with this? Like I, had, I didn't even go, God, what do you want me to do? I didn't do any of that. Like I just existed. I just sucked oxygen from the face of the earth. Like that was it, right? And chased these things that the world had to offer. I didn't even take any thought or anything for that matter. But do you call that a free life? What do you get out of it? Nothing you're proud of now. Where did it get you? A dead end. Isn't that a beautiful way to read that scripture? I think about, I reflect on my life, and that is so true. By the time I got to that place where I fully said, God, I truly, wholeheartedly, 110,000% repent. Leaving nothing else hanging on. Amen? And I look back now and I go, man, that was such an empty life. I have nothing left from that life. Like, I was a pretty good drug dealer, and I have nothing to show for it. Just being real. Like, I worked hard. I worked two full-time jobs. I was a manager, and I worked, uh, um, this is kind of graphic, but I, it's not graphic. It's just weird. I set headstones during the day, and I managed a pizza restaurant at night, and then I sold drugs the rest of the night. Like, I worked hard. I put a lot in, I'm just being honest, like I, I worked really hard at being a good citizen and I had nothing to show for it. Like I wanted to be, you know, a good person and I had nothing to show for that but brokenness and emptiness. He goes on to say, but now that you've found, now that you're found, you don't have to listen to sin, you don't, and, si- and you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do. And have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you, what a surprise. A whole healed, put together life right now with more and more of life on the way. Work hard for sin your whole life and your pension is death. But God's gift is real life. Eternal life delivered by Jesus, our master. Isn't that good? Think about that. You can work hard all your life for the things of the world and their death. Your money's not going to buy you one day in eternity. Your friends are not going to buy you one day in eternity. Your spouse is not going to carry you into eternity. Your children are not going to 
carry you into eternity. When you truly encounter the Father, you want to repent. You want to change. You want your roots to be established in a new system. This verse has changed my life. As I read this, we, how many of you have read Romans 12, 1 through 2? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what's that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, blah, blah, blah. Right? Listen to this in the Message Bible. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your what? Everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Just place it before, say, God, everything I am, all that I have, I'm just going to, just it's all yours. Like, I'm just going to place this all before you. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. That means I completely forget everything about this old life. Everything. I can't go, well, can I just bring one with me? No, everything. And embrace what God does for you. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even thinking. I cannot bring the world into the Father. The other night, I went to bed, and I usually just sleep like a baby until the baby wakes me up. <laughs> and again and again. But I remember, I think it was around like 5, 5.30. Some of you are probably already up. I'm not up. I like to sleep until everybody else is gone. And um, I stay up late. I'm a late bird. I heard successful people stay up late, but I've heard successful people go to bed early. Whatever. I just do what I do. <laughs> I have no method to my madness. But about 5 o'clock in the morning, no alarm, no nothing, I was up. I'm like, why am I up? And all of a sudden, this feeling came over me. This anxiety came over me. Because there was all these things on my plate. All of these responsibilities. All of these cares. And as I laid there, I couldn't go back to bed. So I finally got up and had my coffee and sat in my chair and tried to read and and I was working on this message. And as I sat there, I began to examine all these things that were going through my mind. And not one single thought was about the soul of another person that God has called me to reach. Here I am, a man of God, a pastor. And all the responsibilities of this world all of a sudden had overtaken who Sean is called to be. But see, what God does is he desires to produce something in us 
that we can give to those around us. Listen to what Paul's encounter with Jesus in Acts chapter 26 and verse number 17, if you want. This is the encounter when Jesus appears to Paul and absolutely changes the direction of his life. And I want to say this to you this morning. When you change your root system, you change your ability. You change your desires, and your mission becomes clear. Your life begins to resemble who Jesus was, and we begin doing things that resemble a life that has repented. And here's what Jesus said to Paul. He said, I'm sending you off to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. Don't worry, it's just a little baby. They're good. That they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. What is our mission when we are in the Father? Remember the beginning I asked if you feel like it seems like darkness is winning and light is losing at times? It's because I feel in my heart that I've allowed the world to distract me from my mission. I've allowed the world to take me away from being sent to open their eyes, to bring those that are in darkness into light, to to allow the, the focal point of my daily life to be about those that are lost. And I do, I have responsibilities and those are good and I need to do that, but the highest calling that every believer has is to take the life that is being produced in us and take it to the world that does not have it. And the reason why we feel this wall in our life, like why does God do those things for other people and it's not happening in my own heart? Why is this not happening in my own life? If you're not seeing those that are far from God come to know him, every single one of you should have somebody in your life that is getting closer to Jesus because of who you are. That's just a real honest truth. If you call yourself a believer, your life should be radiating like this flower so that if they're a bee, someday they can rest in your flower. Amen? It's a really weird analogy, Frank. I don't know why. Anyways. But listen, I truly believe that as Pastor began to talk about where's Frank, our inability to find the Franks is solely dependent on whether we can truly repent and say, God, this world has nothing for me. God, forgive me if there's things that I've allowed to creep in. I don't know about you, but I, I know I always ha- I'm trying to examine my heart and go, God, what what has creeped in that is taking away from my ability to open their eyes, my ability to bring them from darkness to light? We live in a day when true repentance or radical change is something that people aren't willing to do. And the sad part is, is it only restricts what the Father can really do in and through our lives. Think about it today. People, they want God, but they want the world. Don't we? I mean, we, we do. I mean, that's such a hard, I mean, you got to have, I mean, who here needs a job? I mean, you work. Like, you got to have money, right? Like, is there anybody 
in this room that doesn't need money to live. If you're independently wealthy, talk to me later. You can buy some backpacks. Okay. (laughs) But we all have to put a roof over our head, right? We all have to provide for our families. We have to do some things. But these things are just tools and, and they're good community. Sam was talking about community in, in the, in the um, communion, and, and we need people, we need friends, we, we need these things, but is our driving force behind what we do day in and day out based on being rooted in the world or being rooted in the Father? And in order for light to advance in the earth, we got to make sure that we've experienced a radical life change and we are doing things. Listen to this. As we go on in in verse 19, it says, Therefore, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but declared first to those in Damascus and in Jerusalem and throughout all the region of Judea, and then to the Gentiles, that they should repent, turn to God, and what? What is befitting your life today? Is it self or is it God? And I know this is not, sorry, this is not a rosy, fiery, like, sermon. And I'm like, God, this is going off in me because there's lost people that need Jesus. And, and if I don't reach them, who else will? I got to make sure that, God, this world is not sucking the life out of me. I got to make sure that I am planted in who you are in my life. Because eternity is at stake for us and for every lost soul outside this building. We live in the most unchurched generation ever. I talk to young people at the gym all the time, at the school, everywhere I go. There is a complete generation that doesn't even know what a church building looks like. They have never stepped foot in a church building. Half of our teenagers that come on Tuesday night, their families don't go to church. These kids have never been a church in their life. Our world is changing. Our world is completely different. Where's the Franks? They're everywhere you go. Maybe you're a Frank today. Maybe somebody drug you to church today and you're like, I don't even know why I'm here because Jesus wants to change what you're rooted in. If you'd be honest with yourself today, you could say, man, you're right. This world has left me empty, broken, sad, fearful, needy, go on, addicted, Fill in the blanks, whatever it is. Jesus has the power to change everything about your life. Bill, if you'd come back as I close. So this morning, how do I know I'm planted in the right soil? How do I know I'm rooted in the Father? How do I know that I am living a radical life for him? I think First John took the words right out of my mouth. 1 John chapter 2 says, here's how we can be sure that we know God in the right way. Keep his commandments. If someone claims I know him well, but doesn't keep his commandments, he's obviously alive. Excuse me. His life doesn't match his words. But the one who keeps God's word is the person in whom we see God's mature love. This is the only way to be sure that we are in God. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God 
ought to live the same kind of life that Jesus lived. See, a truly repented life or a truly radical life is a life that is no longer peering through the glass of what could be, not looking over the fence of what should be, but it's a life that is experiencing what Jesus experienced. And if you are experiencing anything less than that, you're missing out. He's not in the room. Good. That young man that did the communion today is a young man that had never been to church. Is a young man that just needed somebody to say, Sam, God's got something better for your life. He just turned 21 years old and he's preaching the gospel like it's Nobody's perfect. He's not perfect. I'm not perfect. Pastor's not perfect. But the more I root myself in the Father, you timed that perfectly. Thank you. He was out just long enough. The more I root myself in the Father, And the more I push away the things of this world, the more life begins to flow out of me. And today, maybe you've not seen life flowing out of you. Can I ask you if you've truly repented and truly said Abba Abba Father forgive me cleanse me make me new when you get to that place that you say The world looks good on the outside. But I want Jesus to be the life on the inside of me. When I can get to that place, our lives exist in him to be an extension of his life in the earth. The love we show to the lost is the proof of our intimacy with God. Today, I want to challenge you to let your life be so planted in the Father that love, I couldn't think of it any other way, oozes from every aspect of your life to those that are lost. There's going to be people that step in your garden. I love Matthew Barnett. He said, if you want to be a bridge of hope, you got to get used to being walked on. 
Some of you need to get that. If you're going to be a bridge of hope, you better get used to being walked on. My kids, I just planted more grass. They're going to rip it all up with their soccer cleats. I'll plant more next year. Soccer balls are going to be in the flower bed, and I'm going to go, but praise God, I got kids playing in the front yard. This is a work in progress. Trust me. Okay, I'm, I'm just speaking it out. Like, Praise God for kids that can play in the front yard. Amen? Praise God that they got the ability to be out there destroying the flowers and the grass. I'm working it out. <laughs> Thank you. Whew. I'm being silly. But when you're in the Father, kind of, when you're in the Father, your sole purpose is to be a distributor of life that is coming forth from who you are. And if life's not coming forth, I want to ask you this morning, are you truly planted in the Father? Would you bow your heads this morning? Amen. I need you, God. Would you examine your heart this morning? 